Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning. You know, we're just around the corner from various uh, graduations and commencements, and pretty soon some of you are going to be looking for gifts for someone in your life. Well, you're in luck because I'm going to help you out this morning. Did you know that books are almost always a popular choice? And there's one in particular that stands out. It's almost always the number one graduation gift. Ironically enough, whether you're graduating from kindergarten, which I did not, I dropped out after a week. Seriously, I got in trouble every single day that week and convinced my parents to let me drop out. It was optional back then. So it's a good thing Ocean View didn't know that way back when, when they hired me, but I am a kindergarten dropout. Um, So whether you graduated, I mean, whether you're graduating from kindergarten, from high school, from college, from post-grad, whatever, graduate school, it's always the same book that's chosen. And I want to read just a little bit from it, and you see if you can guess the author. Ready? Congratulations. Today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own, and you know what you know, and you are the guy who will decide. And when things start to happen, don't worry. Don't stew. Go, just go right along. You'll start happening too. Oh, the places you'll go. You'll be on your way up. You'll be seeing great sights. You'll join the high flyers who soar to high heights. Except when you don't, because sometimes you won't. All alone, whether you like it or not, alone is something you'll be quite a lot. And will you succeed? Yes, you will indeed. Ninety-eight and three-quarters percent guaranteed. Kid, you'll move mountains. So be your name Buxbaum or Bixby or Bray or Mordecai Alley Van Allen O'Shea. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. Anybody know the author? Yes, a literate crowd here. Dr. Seuss, a great American intellectual. And this is the book. Oh, the places you'll go in case you need to go shopping. You know, very rarely in the Bible does God command us to stay. Now, more often than not, what does God do? He opens the door, and he invites us to go through. To where? Into the unknown. That's the scary part. And our response, whether we choose to go through the door or not, will ultimately determine the life we live and the kind of person we become. A great example of this in the Bible is a guy by the name of Abraham. Actually, just Abram to begin with. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 12. We'll read the first four verses. You can also follow along in the screen in just a minute. But Genesis 12, 1 through 4. The passage we're about to read, out of the blue, Abram hears from God. And I say out of the blue because he didn't expect it and he doesn't deserve it. Yet he still hears Congratulations, today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. Not exactly that, but he does hear something pretty similar. Let's read. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. Now, we aren't told exactly how this happened. We aren't told exactly how, you know, Abram, how God spoke to Abram. But one thing is certain. Whatever he did and however he did it, he got Abram's attention. And he left very little room for him to doubt the reality of the experience. What's the first word that he says to Abram? Go, go, leave, leave your comfort, leave your security blankets, leave basically everything and everyone you're familiar with and go. Go where? Go to a place I will show you. Now think about the choice Abram faces here. I mean, he's not some uncouth nomad as we generally want to think. No, he is a prosperous merchant uh, with lots of possessions, uh, servants. He's living in a nice urban environment. He's known. He's respected. He's successful. He's secure. He's got all of that going for him, and God asked him to leave that and head out for this barbaric wilderness where he has no land, no connections, no prospects. You know, from our point of view, it just doesn't make much sense. Nobody in their right mind does that, right? But then on the other hand, you know, there is the promise, this promise from God that he can be about something bigger than himself, something bigger than he can even imagine. And the essence of this promise consists of a single word, one word found five times in verses 2 and 3. And what is the word? Bless, bless. Real simple message this morning, friends. It consists or is built around two words. And if you can remember these two words, you pretty much have the whole message. Easy enough? The first word actually is two commands. The first command is go. The second command is bless. Go bless. God says to Abram, I'm going to bless you, but this blessing is not just for you. It's not for you to just keep. It's not for you just to hold on to. It's for you to give out. You are blessed to be a blessing. And the same thing's true of us. God did not design us to be storage tanks, you know, but instead to be pipelines, to be conduits that His blessings flow through to others. We are blessed in order to be a blessing. God says, go bless, boom. What does it mean? Go bless, boom. That's why you're on this planet. That's why you're born. That's why you get up every morning. Is to bless. And what does that mean? It means to add life, to give life, to enhance life, to make life more abundant for others. And I want to pause here just for a minute and show you a short video of a lady who's doing exactly that. She's using her job as a bus driver to enhance the life of anybody who gets on her bus. She's going out of her way. She's going the extra mile to be a blessing to anyone who comes in contact with her. Let's take a look. Her name is Linda. I start off my morning with prayer. I seek the Lord before I leave the house. My day begins at 2.30 a.m. I've been an operator for 28 years. And I'm, my first train leaves Walnut Creek at 4.20 a.m. Driving motor coach, you're dealing with hundreds of people with attitudes, 
Um, so I take it personal. I change that around to help me with my Christian growth. So Lord, help me to have a good attitude when uh, someone comes on, might not have a bad day. Sometimes yell at me and I might not respond. I might not give you that reaction that you want. Why? Because I'm always trying to be aware that God is watching. He's watching my attitude. He's watching my reaction. So you have to learn to roll with whatever comes to your door. Uh, whatever that might be. Something that someone who's disabled, uh, someone who might have a personal problem before they came to get on your bus. Uh, someone with bags that they, they, they cannot carry on the bus by themselves. I mean, every second changes. Me having the attitude that I have here at work, caring and uh, helping others, it is paid off because now you have so many passengers who take your bus. They'll say like this, oh, that's the nice operator. That's the lady who always help us, or she'll get your bags, or she always call out her stops. They recognize me. They and sometimes they wait for my bus. They won't even take anyone else's bus. Or we want your bus. You know things like that. So it paid off in a way that I have earned, gotten so much respect out here. Till it's just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable how the seniors and those with disabilities look forward to seeing me because they know I'm going to do my job. And then, not only that, it gave me the opportunity to meet um, the gentleman who wrote the Chronicle. He rode my bus, if I'm not mistaken, several months. And during that several months, he was taking notes of me. This man had me down to the T. He was writing an article on how do you keep a good attitude in the workplace. And the article was about that, me keeping a good attitude. And I tell him, I said, you know what? I put God first. I put him first in the morning. He's the start of my day. Some people start off with coffee. Well, I start off with Jesus Christ. And so I tell him, and without him, I couldn't do it. I couldn't have this attitude. I couldn't serve you, but I'm serving it in Jesus' name. Why? Because he's watching, he's looking, he's taking notes of my life. When it's all finished and done with, I want him to say, well done. We can all do that. And we should all do that because we're blessed to be a blessing. Now, why? I cannot tell you how many times I have heard that word over the last couple of months. Uh, why? And by the way, I appreciate it. I, I genuinely do. I appreciate the interest. I appreciate the concern in my future and my life. Um, but I've heard, why are you doing this? Why are you leaving us? Why at your age? You know, why would you leave a comfortable position with a good salary in a growing church with wonderful people and you know a great staff? Why would you leave all that to take on a ministry where you have to raise all your support and you travel around the world where you might get sick or hurt or whatever? Why? Well, the answer is really pretty simple. God opened a door and He invited me to walk through it. And I basically only had two options, obey or disobey. He said, you've got 37 years of ministry experience. 
So I want you to take what you've been blessed with. And he says there are pastors all around the world who have little or no training at all. You have 37 years, they have little or none. So take what I have blessed you with and you go bless others because you are blessed to be a blessing. That's the short answer. God called me. Now, I wish I could say I got to obedience like that, but that would be misleading. That was not the case. And I'll come back to that in just a minute. But consider this. There are 7.6 billion people currently in the world today. 86% of those live in the majority world. 86% live in this area, and that's where I will be working. If you could take these 7.6 billion people and represent them by a global community of 100, in other words, the whole world represented by 100 people, here's how it would break down. 60 would be Asian. That includes places like India and so forth. Um, 14 would be African. 12 would be European. 8 would be from Latin America. 5 would be American or Canadian and one would be from the South Pacific. It kind of helps you see the world better, doesn't it? And then Terry mentioned this last week. Within the U.S., inside the U.S., there is one trained pastor for every 250 people. That's great. One pastor for every 250 people. Outside of the U.S., one trained pastor for every 450,000 people. You see the difference? One for every 450,000. So not only... I mean, there's just a huge need here. It's incredible, the shortage of pastors. And then the pastors that are in the majority world, where I'm talking about, 80% of those have little or no training at all. 80% of those in the majority world have little or no training. God's design is that the church be the vehicle through which the nations are reached, whether it's here in the U.S. or in whatever country. The church is the vehicle that is to reach the nation. But how can they do it if they're not healthy? And how can they be healthy if the pastor's not trained. See, I believe God has uniquely and sovereignly placed each of those pastors wherever they are. He's got them there for a purpose. He put them there. They speak the language. They know the culture. Uh, They have the relationships with all the people. The thing they don't have is the training, and that's where we come in. We can help train them so that they can be more effective. That's the whole mission, to train indigenous pastors in the majority world so that they they can more effectively equip their people to reach the nations with the gospel. Pretty simple. The need is great. The need is global. Oh, yes. Important factor here. Age. Age is not a a factor at all. Uh, You remember how old was Abram when God called him? 75. I'm not there yet. I'm close, but I'm not there yet. Okay. 75. And then Samuel. Do you remember when God first spoke to Samuel? He was just a young boy. So whether you're young or old or anywhere in between, age is not a factor. I want to uh, read an article for you, a part of one. Uh, Last year before the election, John Piper wrote an article entitled, Hillary, Bernie, Donald, and Me. Hillary, Bernie, Donald, and Me by John Piper, and it is not about politics. Okay, so relax. We are definitely not going down that road at all. But he wrote this and it addressed it primarily to baby boomers, of which I am one, so it really hit home with me. Um, But it's not exclusively to baby boomers. So I'm hoping whether you're in that group or not that this will inspire you as well. I'm just reading some excerpts, not the entire article. He writes, at 70, this is Piper, at 70, I am energized to dream great things because this year Hillary turned 69 
Bernie 75 and Donald 70. My rising energy has nothing to do with their policies of character. It has to do with the incredible fact that all of them want to spend their 70s doing the hardest job in the world. This is wonderfully countercultural. I doubt that it's motivated by a passion to magnify the greatness of Jesus, but that makes it all the more inspiring for me because nothing gets me more excited than, spreading my, than spending my 70s spreading a passion for the glory of Christ and His Word. They only get to be president of a tiny territory called the USA. I get to be an ambassador of the sovereign Lord of the universe. They get a chance to change the way some people live for a few decades. I get to change the way some people live forever with a lot of good spillover in this world. But this is not an article mainly about me, he writes. It's about the 70 million baby boomers coming behind me. 10,000 Americans turn 70 every day. 10,000 every day. And they will continue to do so for the next 19 years. Billions of dollars are spent every year trying to get us to waste the last chapter of our lives on leisure. I'm spending one afternoon to plead with the rising 70-somethings, don't waste it. Hillary, Bernie, and Donald are not unique. Let them and all the others inspire you. Five of the eight Supreme Court justices are over 65, and three are over 75. Ronald Reagan served as president from age 70 to 78. He was shot at age 70 and recovered. Then at 76, he stood against the USSR in West Berlin and said, tear down this wall. At 70, Benjamin Franklin helped draft the Declaration of Independence. John Glenn became the oldest person to go into space at age 77. At the same age, 77, Grandma Moses started painting. Started painting. At 89, Albert Schweitzer ran a hospital in Africa. And you notice he didn't just work in a hospital. He ran a hospital in Africa at 89. At 93, Strom Thurmond. Recognize that name? 93, Strom Thurmond won re-election after promising not to run again at age 99. He lived to be 100. I'm inviting you to look around you. Look at Hillary and Bernie and Donald and thousands of others who are dreaming their dreams. Whatever their motives are, what are yours? The Apostle Paul was on his way to evangelize Spain when he died in his 60s. He's, he called himself an old man. But as an old man, he planned while he had breath to do all he could for Christ and his kingdom. Spending the last season of his life playing games in a perishing world was not in his plan, and it should not be in ours. Wow. Challenging, huh? Friends, we don't die when our heart stops beating. We die when our heart stops breaking for the things that break the heart of God. Why am I doing this? Well... It's because I'm convinced at the end of my life, some of my greatest regrets will not just be those things I did wrong, and there are plenty of those, ask Beth, but not just those things I did wrong, but those things I failed to do, simply failed to do. Those opportunities I didn't go after, those doors I didn't go through because I let fear dictate my decision. And as I look back on my journey recently, that's where I was for a while. This is the rest of the story. Fear. You might remember January a year ago, I made my first trip uh, to India with GTN, Global Training Network. And I thought at that point that it would just be a one and done kind of thing. Go help out on this trip, come back, 
That's the end of the story. But I went, and when I got there, I saw how needed the work was. I saw how significant it was, how meaningful, just all the importance of what they were doing. And so it got my attention, but that was it. And then I made a second trip back to India a second time, uh, six months later. And that's when God started working on my heart and gave me the impression that maybe this is how I should spend the rest of my life. Maybe this is how I should invest my remaining years of ministry, whatever that is. And so I began to think about it. I began to pray about it. I read about it, did all of that. And in the process, you know, I started feeling, yes, this is what God's calling me to do. But then I remember, no, this is a ministry where you have to raise all of your support. I don't think God's calling me to that. You know, that's scary. That's scary. It's kind of weird. And so I would go back and forth. I'd say, you know, God's calling me. This is just in my own mind and maybe talking to Beth. Yeah, God's calling me. No, no, he's not calling me. He's calling me. He's not calling me. Vacillate back and forth, back and forth. And then Hurricane Matthew came along. You remember that? Well, we evacuated. We went up to Rock Hill where our daughter lives, our oldest daughter. And, you know, the storm hit. Sunday rolled around. And services had been called off here. So I basically had a free Sunday in a sense. And our daughter wanted us to go to church with her. And I said, being the great pastor, you know, that I am, I said, Beth, let's just skip church. Let's skip church and let's go back to Myrtle Beach and let's check on our house and see what kind of damage we have. And she said, I don't know. She said, I think we need to go to church with Megan. She's been wanting you to go. We never have this opportunity because you're always tied up. I think we should go to church. So we talked about it, and guess what we decided? We went to church. So we went to church that Sunday. We got there, and they attend a young, a starting church, one that's a plant, a new church, had about, has about 50 people. They had great music, their good breakfast and fellowship time. And then the sermon started. And because of somebody's head, I could only see the first word, um, the, the last word in the title to begin with. I could see the word money, and I thought, oh, great, a sermon on money. That's just what I want to hear. So, but then I looked, and I could see the rest of the title. It said, the, the kingdom of God and money. And in our teaching with GTN, we talk a lot about the kingdom of God. So that's when doop, the light started coming on. I think, well, maybe God is up to something this morning. And the pastor started speaking. It was from Matthew 25. He started speaking. And as he went along, God used him to just nullify, void, whatever, every one of my reservations, every one of my objections and concerns. Just went down the list. Zap, 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 zap. You know, all gone. And if you remember the story, Matthew 25, there's a master who goes on a trip, and he leaves behind his talents with three servants. To one he gets five, one gets five, another gets three, and then the last one gets one. Well, the, one, the first two, the ones with five and the ones with three, they go out and they invest them and they come back with more. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant, right? But what does the one with one, what happens there? He buries it in the ground. And Why? Because he was afraid. Boy, did I get chills then. You know, here's a talent that was meant to be used, meant to be leveraged, meant to bring glory to God, and it's buried. And I said, that's me. That's exactly where I am. And so I had to come to grips that morning, that morning with the fact that I was letting fear cripple me. I was letting fear keep me from going through the door. And I had to drive a stake in the ground. And had to say, you know, God, this is it. You know, I, I'm driving this stake in the ground. I'm stepping out. I'm taking a risk. I'm going through the door. And whatever happens, happens. And then later that day, you know, Beth and I had a chance to talk. Well, we got to the end of the service, first of all. Got to the end of the service that day after the last prayer. And I looked at Beth. She looked at me exactly at the same time. 
And we both knew. There was no doubt that God had called me to do this. I mean, it was so clear. It was clearer than clear. And I just said, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. And we did talk later that afternoon. Um, and as we were talking, um, you know, we, we went back and forth. And she knew before I did. She knew before I did that God had called me to this. And she said, well, when I finally got it, she said, well, it only took a hurricane to convince you. And it did. But I finally got there. That's the good news. I finally got there. I'm slow, but I got there. So, friends, it's time for us. It's time for all of us to bless, to go bless. And why? Because we are blessed to be a blessing, right? Blessed to be a blessing. Before we pray, I want to say just a word. Um, I want to pause and just say thank you. Thank you to to all of you. Uh, There's no way that I can adequately say how much I love and appreciate and and how grateful I am for an opportunity to be here all these many years. Uh, In case you're wondering, I was here four years back in the late 80s, early 90s, and then 13 disco rounds. So for 17 years you have put up with me, and I appreciate that so much. Um, It's been an honor to minister here along with you all these years, and um, I want to stay in touch. You'll see Beth and I, we will pop in occasionally uh, as we're in town and have the opportunity to do that. Also, my contact information is in your worship guide. I'd love to stay in touch with you that way. But, and if I can be of service, obviously I'm here. But thank you guys so much. I do, do love you um, and appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can be seated. I'm going to ask if Everett's lovely wife, Beth, would mind joining us on stage. And uh, we wanted to have an opportunity to pray for this couple. Um, In just a second, um, after we're dismissed, there will be a reception in their honor in the fellowship hall. I want to encourage and invite you all to come. We have some flowers for Beth. And if you wanted an opportunity to be able to encourage them along the way, I encourage you to go down to the fellowship hall. Um, But also, if you want more information, um, you've already heard Pastor Everett talk about Global Training Network and uh, the mission that he's going to be involved with. And obviously, if if God lays it on your heart to support this couple, then I want to encourage you. There's some information in there as well uh, so that you can be a blessing to them. But I just ran from a Bible study (laughs) class, so I'm a little out of breath. Yes, a little out of breath. But um, one of the things... uh, that I've, I shared earlier today was this, is I've been here about three and a half years, and it's, it's uncommon, and I think Everett, you would agree with this, it's uncommon for a pastor, a new pastor to come into a church, um, to inherit a staff team around, and uh, to be able to form such a quick bond uh, with someone that has been here for so long. I, I would tell you as a church, um, Everett has been my trusted right arm. Um, there have been times where I've pulled him into the office and said, okay, bud, what do we got to do here? What's the situation? What do we think? And uh, it's, been, it's been fun to be able to serve alongside of a brother uh, in ministry. And so, um, Everett, you know that I, I love you. Um, uh, you know how I feel about you. And uh, I wrote a poem. Uh, I kind of tweaked a poem that was written because I'm not a poet. But this is a poem by Judy Crow. And then I took it because I thought, well, this, all this foo-foo stuff doesn't remind me of Everett. Um, and so... I, I kind of rewrote it uh, to make it a, make a little bit more sense. And so this is, um, this is as we as a church walk around on Sundays and we see Pastor Everett. Uh, this is a poem about what we see. It says, I see the hands that hold God's word and fold in prayer to seek his will. 
I see the feet that walk his path and offers of praise as from a lofty hill. I see the hands that serve him well, the ears that seek to hear his call, the mouth that speaks truth and Clemson, the busy feet that carry his message to all. I see the heart that was opened and entered when God's man answered his call and yielded his life as a humble servant, a man who was willing, as was Paul. I see all of this as he stands to teach, an instrument through which God speaks, the words of wisdom of love and peace, to lead and guide all those whom God seeks. I've told Everett this before. I think he's one of the most phenomenal teachers that this church has ever had. Um, And that's the word for me that epitomizes his character and integrity, teacher. And many of you don't know that on a weekly basis, he will meet with and encourage, whether it be those of the younger generation or those of the wiser generation, um, always loving and passionate about pouring in to others. And so Everett, um, this is not goodbye. This is uh, see you again soon. And we look forward as a church to supporting them on the mission field as Everett embarks on this new journey. So church, would you do me a favor? Um, I'm going to pray for him. And then I want us to be able to let this couple know how much uh, we love him. So let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for brother Everett. Thank you, Father, for his friendship. Thank you, Father, for how you have gifted him with your word. Uh, Lord, this is an exciting um, and yet bittersweet time as we as a church uh, see him transition from one role uh, to a brand new one. But God, I pray that this couple knows that uh, they don't uh, travel this road alone, that there are hundreds upon hundreds, if not thousands of individuals around this church, this community, and this country that will be praying for them, that will walk beside them. And so God, I just pray that in the difficult moments that there will never be a question of call, but instead there will be a strong peace and an encouragement of heart to know that your call um, is one that is final, but also one that succeeds in promise. So, Father, bless this couple. Thank you for Brother Everett. I pray your blessings on him in Jesus' name. Amen. Church. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.